Well, good morning, church. Hope everybody's doing all right. We're doing things a little bit different this morning, so I just want to let you know what's happening. You're going to hear from all of our elders, so you'll hear from Chad Harwell, you'll hear from Greg Quinn, and then you'll hear from Thomas Seaford, and then there's some weird guy uh, wrapping it all up. So um, anyway, that's, that's the thing. So they're going to speak, and then we're going to worship, and then Greg's going to speak, and then we're going to worship with a song, and then Thomas is going to speak, and then we're going to worship with a song. So that's kind of the ebb and flow of this morning. So here is Chad Harwell. He's going to present what God has laid upon his heart. All right, so, um, so we find Paul um, in a Roman prison once again, okay? Um, he is actually writing to churches. Uh, while he's in prison, which is mind-boggling in, in itself, um, but this specific letter that he's actually writing to the church is to a church uh, called um, in a town called Colossae. Uh, Colossae is, is, is how he said it. And, and uh, so, in the in the letter of Colossians, uh, Paul actually writes this letter to encourage the church, um, and, and it's really can be split into two different sections. So you have four chapters in the, in the letter of Colossians. And uh, the first half of the, the letter is Paul writing to the church to, uh, to help them combat against the heresy that is actually coming inside the church. Um, so, so, so Paul's helping them with that. Full, chapter 2, you can actually look at that, and, and it shows what they're dealing with and, and, and really how they can fix that. Um, and then he gets to the second half of this letter and, and really becomes very practical. Uh, Paul begins to, to write very practically to this church, um, and in Colossians chapter 3 um, is really kind of where, where this shifts, and, and really what Paul says at the beginning of this in, in Colossians 3 is, is basically that, uh, that your life has been changed by the grace of God, so why don't you live that way? Th that's really what he does. So then he goes on, and, and he talks about things like, like having our hearts set on Christ, uh, he goes through this list of things of, of, hey, put off this thing, put on this thing. It, it goes through kind of all these different things of, of put off um, uh, sexual immorality, put off uh, all these different um, sins, really, these, these actions. Uh, and then he says we are to put on uh, compassion, we're to put on humility, we're to put on meekness, all these different. And so really what Paul does, he lays out this is the way the Christian life should look. This is the way the Christian life should, should, should like a believer, somebody that, that has put their faith and trust in Jesus, this is how they should be living their life. Um, and then we get to verse 15, and this is what Paul says. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, he says, um, he says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then in verse 16, this is what Paul says. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then in verse 17, he says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, so it, it amazes me here that, that Paul, in a Roman prison, 
He's placed there because of his faith in Jesus, because he was speaking the truth about who Jesus was and how Jesus can change lives. And then he's writing this letter to to help this church out. And in the middle of all this lifestyle, hey, this is the way we should live our lives, it's almost as if Paul began to praise God. Because here in verse 15, 16, and 17, here at the very end, I don't know if he caught this or not, but he says in verse 15, he says, be thankful. In verse 16, he says, with thankfulness in your hearts. And in verse 17, he says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, see what, what I believe Paul learned. And I believe what he's trying to help this church learn, I believe what we can learn this morning is, is that whatever is happening, however we're living our lives, whatever God is doing in us because he's changed us, right, uh, we need to remember that we need to be thankful. And, and, and really, it's this kind of idea of a continual thankfulness. It's, it's, it's us continually, continually being thankful that, that, that actually takes our, our minds and our eyes and our hearts and really our posture off from ourselves or off from what's going on around us, but it reminds us that God is the one who deserves all the praise. And, and so in this, Paul, he's saying the lifestyle that you should be living, it needs to be wrapped around this idea of being thankful. So, so my mind is thankful, my heart is thankful, and my posture is thankful. And what it does when I come to that place where I'm thankful, then it, then it drives me to look to God. It, my, my mind then looks to him. My heart looks to him. My posture then begun, be, becomes so focused on who God is that I become even more thankful, right? 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 So, so with that in mind, be, being thankful, having a mind of thankfulness, having a heart, and having a posture of thankfulness, I want to I ask you to stand and we're going to sing a song that's called Thank You. And so I want you, as you sing this song, I want, I want you to try to focus your mind and your heart and really your posture. Go ahead. You can stand right now. We're going to sing a song. Because we're, we're going to sing to God a thankfulness with a thankful heart and a thankful mind and a thankful posture. Good morning. I had to type all mine up so I would stay on track here because I'm good at getting off track. As my small group knows, right, I'll go down the rabbit trail in a heartbeat. Um, thankful. You know, being thankful is easy when things are going well. But what about when they're not? You know, as I was pondering this thought, I'm driving to work and I'm listening to the radio and I hear this song by Vertical Worship called um, Yes, I Will. I'd heard it many, many, many times before, but I never actually heard it. This day I listened to the words. They're very simple words. It's very, very simple. And as Chad talked about, we're to be thankful in all things, right? You know, I realized that this song, Yes, I Will, is speaking of being thankful and praising God. You know, the, 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 the verse of the song says, I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me. You won't fail me now. In the waiting, the same God who never, who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. The chorus goes, yes, I will lift your name in the, lift your name, lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. 
all my days. Oh, yes, I will. That part right there at the last, oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. That struck me. That struck me real hard. But in the bridge, it says it all here. And I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. You know, I was doing some research on where they got this song from, trying to figure out where did they get it from. And I found out it came out of Psalms 34. This is a psalm where King David was being chased by King Saul. You know, David was a young boy. Saul was trying to kill him. You know, how, how much lower can it be to be running from someone who's trying to put you to death? Now, he went to see this priest called Abimelech, and there he got uh, some food for his men, and then he went to a far kingdom, and there he had to act like he was crazy just so he wouldn't be killed. You know, in Psalm 34, and I'll read the psalm because there's 22 verses, but I think they, and, and there's a song actually written about this verse after I was reading it. I was like, I know that song too. Um, it says, I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes, makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who, who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will, will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. You know, we have a choice in life. We can choose to wallow in our pity when things are going bad, or we can choose to be thankful for what God has given us and praise the Lord. And as I say, yes, I will. Well, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Psalm chapter 67. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but you're welcome to. Um, and so in Psalm chapter 67, uh, the Bible says, 
God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known in the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. So um, we have a okay, yeah. so um, we have a passage here that really kind of comes and breaks down into three different sections. We're going to look at the first two. We're not really going to look at this, the third in great detail. I will mention it. But in each of these sections, is kind of demarcated by the word Selah. Each time... He introduces a thought, and he wants you to think about it. And so the first, the first section is the first verse. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then, of course, think about this, Selah. Now, this, this verse is actually an adaptation of the high priestly prayer. Um, so if we go back to Numbers, the priests were actually commanded, this is how you're to bless people. This is how you're, you're, you're supposed to, this is how you bless people. This is what you're supposed to say. And this is a key part of that. God be gracious to us, bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. The second passage is, uh, or the second portion, really goes from verse 2 through verse uh, 4. As you can see, this is a, a, an interesting type of poetry in Scripture where the first line and the last line are related. And then the second line and the second to last line are related third line and the third to last line are related. And in the, in the center is a key idea that, that he's trying to drive home. And it's, it's interesting because in this passage you also have an additional layer. And that is each line has something that's related, a correlating theme, and then it has a contrasting theme. So if, if you look in, in uh, the first line and the last line, they relate to each other and that they both um, are talking about his way or his direction. And it's directed towards the earth. But they're different in that the first line is, um, he's saying that the earth may, that your way may be known. That it's just, it's just known on all the earth. The last line is active. That you will guide the nations on the earth. The second line that your salvation is among the nations, will be known among all the nations. The second to last line is that you will judge the people in uprightness. Now, judgment and salvation are intricately linked because salvation is essentially your judgment imputed to another. From a theological standpoint, that is what salvation is. Salvation is your judgment that you deserved placed on another person. So salvation and judgment are intricately linked. The first line is saying that salvation will be known among all the nations. The second to last line is saying, okay, that you will judge the nations in uprightness. And you're going to be, it's, in other words, it makes me think of in 1 John where he says that if we are faithful, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He, what he's saying is you will judge the earth and you'll do it in righteousness and you will be right 
because of your salvation, because you have already judged the sins, your salvation and the judgment that you judge with the nations is going to be right. And you are fair to judge and to give salvation. And then, of course, we have this idea of the people will praise and the nations will be glad and will sing. And again, this is worship. Because of all that we're reading in this passage, that we will work, that the nations and the people should worship him. And then at the core, the core idea is let all the peoples praise. Let all the peoples praise. And so we're going to go ahead and just mention this past, this portion focuses on your spiritual blessing, salvation, salvation from his wrath, salvation from the judgment that you deserve. The third portion of the, the, the passage that we read, we're, like, we're not going to dive into it very deeply, but it focuses on uh, the key phrase being, the earth has yielded its produce, God our God blesses us. So while the, this first passage focuses more on your spiritual blessings, the second portion of the passage focuses on physical blessings. And when we take all of this into account, we get a, a, an interesting picture that emerges. First of all, he says that um, the first verse is the blessing, the prayer from ble the blessing from the priest. And what he follows that up with is that your way may be known on the earth. And then he says at the end that you will guide the nations on the earth. And the very last verse is God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. All of the blessings that God has given you, he has not given to you for your own comfort. Every blessing that you experience has been given to you so that the world can see Jesus Christ in you. Every blessing that he has ever brought into your life is not for your comfort, but for his fame. Every blessing, everything that you have ever experienced that is positive is because of God and is because of him, his desire to bring forth his salvation to the whole earth. He wants to use you as the spigot where his blessings and his salvation flows to the rest of the world. The interesting thing is, particularly at this time of year, we, we get into this situation where we kind of, we talk about how blessed we are and we, we talk about being thankful, but at the same time we kind of, cow, we kind of stand back from things and we don't want to, we don't want to talk about specific blessings sometimes because, well, maybe, maybe that's something God's given to me, but he hasn't given to that person or vice versa. We, we kind of get timid sometimes. Or we, we focus so much on being thankful, which is a good thing. That's not a bad thing to be thankful. But we never let that thankfulness overflow into praise. What I want, to, what I want you to leave from here today is first of all, it's okay to ask for blessings. The first verse here, again, was a command for how priests were to bless. And it is a specific request that God will bless us. Asking for blessings is not a bad thing. 
But we have to keep in mind the motivation behind that request. And that motivation is that the world may know you. The motivation behind everything he has given us should be that his name would be made known. And as long as that is our motivation, and as long as we are letting that overflow into praise, then we're following him. The other thing that we're worried about is that, okay, well, what about all the people that, don't, that are less fortunate than you? There are a lot of people that are less fortunate. But we kind of step back, and we don't really know how to treat that. We, well, does that mean God loves me more? No. What that means is that God's plan for how he's going to reach the world through you is different from the plan for how God is going to reach the world through that person. That's why God gives you some blessings, some other people blessings, and you may wish you had that person's blessings, or that person may wish he, they have your blessings, but ultimately, God blesses you according, first of all, to his grace, but also according to his plan. And for how he intends to reach the world through you in the, in the world. The song that we're about to sing is called I Have Been Blessed. And it's, it's kind of an interesting song. It's kind of a weird song. It's a folk song. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to the praise team for all the work they've been doing. And Nicole in particular to get this, um, to make this song happen today. Because it wasn't easy. But... It's an interesting song because when you're singing, it almost, it almost sings like a list. A list of all the things that God's given us, all the things, all the blessings that we have. And it has always struck me at how easy it is for me to pray a list of requests. But I don't often pray a list of praises. So my challenge to you today is as we sing this song, lift it up for all the world to see. Because that is the reason why he has blessed you in the first place. Let the world see what God is doing in your life. Because that is the point for all of the blessings that he's given you. But also, take time to praise. Take time to sing out and pray the things back to him that he has given to you. Because that is truly praise. Let the people praise. apologize to Thomas before everybody stands up because we had planned to do this one as a special so the words are not on the screen so that is totally my bad um, but and there's a lot of words so listen lift them up sing what you can the chorus repeats several times and so it's not the chorus is not hard to catch on to so totally my bad I'll take one for the team on that one babe. <laughs> I'd be lost without him. I really would. If the pen of a writer could write every day, the ink and the paper could never contain how he moves a mind. 
That was awesome. <laughs> that was incredible. That was, that was just, that was great. Let's give the three elders a hand. They've done a great job this morning. Appreciate them. Um, it is a pleasure for me to work with those guys because uh, every single one of them is different, and I think you saw that this morning. Um, from, from Chad, who's that missionary vibe, to Greg, who's very, you know, you know, he's got the paper, he's doing it, but you feel it in his heart, right? To the evangelist, which is Thomas, you know, about a third away in, buddy, he was like, let's have revival, you know. <laughs> It, it, was, it was just really good. So um, I've been blessed this morning by hearing them. How many of you in the room are OCD? Raise your hand. Yeah? Several of you are OCD. Um, so you'll understand this. Um, really, you're CDO. All right? Those, those letters are way out of order. CDO, right? CDO. And they like things perfect. Somebody like things perfect. So there's things on stage that they would see that they would want to put exactly in the right spot because with inside of them, they have this type of perfection. The problem with that is we live in an imperfect world, don't we? And so there's always something to fix and there's always some type of stress on the shoulders and there's always something, but there's always, you know, something like that going on. Um, I know a guy, sort of, that, uh, Recent, that, that didn't recently receive Christ. He received Christ. This is a guy that had a very bad and dark past. Now, if you were to meet him, like, and you were to shake his hand, or you were to see him in your city, or in Farmington, or whatever, you'd think, this is a great guy, and he has great zeal, but this guy had really a dark side, and if you thought about it a lot, he was doing some things that just, I don't know, would make you a little bit uncomfortable. The number one thing he was doing is that he was killing Christians. He would actually set out to kill Christians. He would set out to kill them. And he killed a ton of Christians in his time. But one day, Jesus decided to reach down and draw him to salvation. And his name is Paul. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul in that time period going to the church in Jerusalem? Can you imagine them looking at him and saying, uh, wait a minute. Can you imagine if his name was Conway West? Are you tracking with me? Yeah. So this is what those people thought of him when he came, knowing his dark side, knowing that he killed people, knowing that he was on the wrong side of God, this is what they said of him in Acts chapter 9. Farmington Baptist Church. <laughs> so it would be the second slide. There it is. Great. Nope, it's there. All right, I'm going to read it to you. That's good. If it's on the back, I can run with that. Except for when, now it's on here? Now, okay, good, great. I know it is always in here. That's why you should always have a copy of the Bible in your home. And I love technology. Okay, here we go. Ready? Acts 9, 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were afraid of him, for they did not believe 
that he was a disciple. Now hold on to that, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We'll begin reading with verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. That's Jesus Christ reclining at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who is a sinner from the red light district, who sold herself for money, who is on the wrong side of the tracks, who had a deep, dark, sinful, lost Past, a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Sometimes it's translated as a box, but it's really it's really kind of a box, but it's a clay box that is kind of small little container that looks boxy that you could actually break open. So it flask box, both of those work. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And wiped them with the hair of her head. And kissed his feet and anointed them with the anointment. Now when the Pharisee who has invited him saw this, he said to himself... If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50 And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to them, you have judged rightly. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you this morning that there are people that come to worship. And they come because they want to somehow connect to the music and then to God. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's why they come. I'm saying there's another group of people that only connect with a certain type of music that they like to hear. So they have to hear that type of music in order to connect and worship to God. But there's another set of people. There's a set of people that connect to worship because they have connected with their sin and a Savior. They've connected with their sin and the forgiveness of a Savior. They have connected with the love of the God who has the right to judge them and throw them into an eternity of fire, but chose to come here and dwell as a man among us to save sinners such as them. There is a group of people 
that are so overwhelmed by the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save them from their sins, that there is nothing that will stop them from singing out praise and adoration and service of praise to the Lord Jesus Christ who saved their soul. There is a group of people, ladies and gentlemen, that get it. There's a group of people that get it. Don't you want to be a part of that group? Yes. I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. You have a pastor that should not be standing on this stage right now, but by the grace of God and the blood on the cross, he chose me to be a part of his family and then chose me to stand before you today. I have no merit, no worth. There are things that you could find out about me, don't look for them, that you could, you could take me out of this position in a skinny moment because of the little things that I do from time to time that makes me a bad person. But I am a good person because Jesus Christ declared me so with his blood. If I had an alabaster box this morning, I would break it open. My hair is not long enough to wipe feet with tears, but I have longer hair than some of you in the room. But man, there is a direct correlation between the depth of your depravity and what you think about your sin and your worship of the Savior. Some of you have it, and you have it. You know you know, oh my goodness, I was so bad. And some of you have a medium view of that. It's, it's not that bad, but it's not good, but I'm kind of in the medium. And some of you think I'm almost bad. The almost bad people can't worship. And the people that are in the middle really need to move to the really bad side because all sin is a strike against the heart of a holy God. All sin required Jesus Christ to take a beating, required Jesus Christ to carry a cross and not make it to Golgotha, required Jesus Christ's hands to be nailed on the side of the cross, feet to be nailed on the bottom of the cross, required his blood to drip into the ground, required his death. All sin. It. We all need to come to Jesus with the praise and adoration because he saved a sinner like me. Me. Thanks be to God for that unspeakable gift. Thanks be to God for that unspeakable gift. Thanks be to God for that unspeakable gift. Let's stand.